1: ayo episode 40 crazy you're talking about fitness stuff get your jock hat on i was gonna say get your jock strap on that's oh. not it <laughs> you know that, that also works um supplements. see musk merch drop in the fall jock strap <laughs> god, oh god we've gotten so many fucking dms about merch and like just to be fully transparent with you all it costs money to have a storefront up and that's why we don't have one anymore. Like if it was just free for us to have merch, just falling from the earth, like little angels, we would do it. <laughs> but Shopify I th- ain't cheap. Shopify ain't cheap. Yeah. Y'all we got monthly billing from Shopify and we're just both trying to pay our rent. And also I think it's the issue too, because people are listening to the podcast and they're starting from like episode one. And so then they're probably like hearing about like, Oh, we launched merch. Oh, we launched another thing of merch. Um, so apologies if you're new here and you didn't get merch um you know maybe in the fall
2: we'll do it again in a few months when we're bored and want to put on our creative
1: hats but for the time being listen we told you you snooze you lose yeah also another thing Emma and I are not vegan we've been posting some sus we're finally getting to the fish meme territory (laughs) we've been we've been edging our way towards like non-vegan things like Emma did one with ghee and people were commenting. Were what like, about.
2: Vegan it's like, yeah, babes, obviously. And
1: some people commented like the podcast hosts are not vegan. Like babes, what are you talking about?
2: <laughs> and like, yeah, we were vegan once. We're not vegan anymore. We don't identify with any with any people. label
1: <laughs> yeah it's so fucking weird we keep getting followers on the meme page i mean i understand there's like a billion trillion people but i'm so bad with numbers i'm like there can't be more people that get these memes come on we've hit our capacity how
2: hell, hell people have experienced Ezekiel bread hclf like God, you know we have potential to win the
1: masses and honestly i've been using some of the meme content for tiktok shit just to see like you know, I'm just thinking about cross promotion and getting people to listen to the podcast. And I did one before I got notoriously fucking banned from TikTok again about, uh, the rice cake to PB2 thing. And it went like decently viral has like 200,000 views. And so all I did in the caption was just CMOS girlies. And I hope people just Google that. Um, they, yeah, can- I've, been think- I've been thinking about rice cakes, but I'm not
2: going to act on it and purchase it. I randomly bought rye bread this morning. Like like Nordic
3: rye yeah. bread.
2: I was like, I feel like having something different.
1: Yeah. Bro,
2: I'm so bored of my Mary's I'm so bored of my Mary's crackers. And I'm like, I want a different type of carb
1: source. But I bought um, of- I bought the cancer chocolate chips from Whole Foods today. Yeehaw. Um why chocolate we say that is because whatever. they have yeah, because they have stevia in them. We what episode would that even be for people? When did we fucking reference that? That would have been back in December. That could be episode six. It'd be sixteen. <laughs> yeah, we're on episode forty, guys. Wow, we're you know not at fifty, but we are at forty. Incredible work for us. And um, more than we fifty. Yeah, goddamn. But okay. anyways, we you know today's podcast is about sports supplements. We got so many fucking questions, like. <laughs> We did a little questions tab on Instagram and then we did it within Geneva too, just to get both like platforms. Cause there's literally dipshits on the meme page that don't know we have a podcast. Sorry. I'm going to call you dipshits because like, if you're following the meme page at this point and you're not listening to the podcast, you're dead to me. So yeah, we got so many questions. Yeah. People are mad,
2: like, like smart when it comes to sports supplements. Like everyone was like creatine, creatine, creatine. I was like, what is creatine? I'm like, I just think about protein powder and that's the extent of it
1: i know um, people were like bcaas and like blah, blah, blah. i was like well like guys. y'all are
2: really tapped into like workout like yeah. gym culture i guess like go off cmosc really gym rats
1: i know i was like maybe we got some fucking fitness talkers in here that are doing all this shit or like eating i their, would like- love i hope we have some bodybuilders like listening <laughs> so if you're a bodybuilder hello welcome. hello <laughs> welcome to the welcome to the tribe yeah, so today we're going to be debunking all the fucking sports subs. Um, thank you for all the good feedback on the Goop Pod. You know, M and I were, I, I wanted to do it really bad, but I think any sort of like controversy in the wellness space is like, it's always like, what do we say? What do we not say? And so y'all liked it. So we appreciate you guys for that. Yeah, we've gotten a few more nice, lovely
2: um, reviews on Apple, which is cute. So, you know, only <laughs> okay. coming. Keep the hate away. Keep the hate away. We only we only accept five-star reviews.
1: I, I only can get hate from men on dating apps that ruin my life notoriously. And so if you guys leave a negative review on a dating app, it just it's I can't have both. Hey, um, and I were talking
2: about yesterday how we should like both like reply to each other's like matches on
1: dating apps. Okay, so I am still talking to the so I'm gonna make a TikTok about this. One guy literally just goes to me opening message, your body is sick. And Emma goes, "Thanks, Jason." With like three, she gets like a hedgehog emoji, a hook emoji, and like an eyeball a emoji. Eyeball, yeah, or an owl emoji. And I'm still conversing with him, converse conversating with him. I told him I'm like going to Harvard Law School, which is not true. I'm just like let's fucking mess with this brand's, man's brains. Why is he still texting me? I sent him a SpongeBob gif. I was gonna send him a, a gif of someone throwing up. Uh, so yeah, Emma and I might be each other's ghostwriters soon. I love that. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the sports ups. Uh, um, yeah. What a nice, what a nice transition. I know. Yeah. Throwing out the sports supplements, but yeah, please. Like I was saying, if you do like the pod, leave us a review. Even if you're just clicking the five stars, it does help us out. Um, if not for bec- becoming a podcast empire, just for our serotonin personally. <laughs> so that's all. All right, dude, let's get into the shod.
2: Okay, CMOS girlies and bodybuilders and everyone else <laughs> listening in, Um, let's get into sports supplements. I think, like, one thing to kind of start off with is that, like, most sports supplements are largely studied on, like, highly trained or professional male athletes. Thus, that like, the average person is going to experience much different results compared to these people. Just only to keep in mind, especially also, like, women, there's very little studies done on how effective sports supplements are for you. Yeah. So we're going to be starting off with kind of like the major supplements within, you know, the sports yeah. area. Um, and like I said, everyone was like yapping about creatine. I was like, the fuck is creatine? So I went full geek mode. I was reading all the medical journals. Um, so creatine is actually a compound that's stored in our muscles that supplies them with energy. And we actually produce about like one gram each day of creatine. But we can also obtain them from eating animal-based food. So like salmon or like beef. And so if you're like vegetarian and you take a creatine supplement, you may actually experience or notice more of a difference in someone who's already consuming, um, like meat and fish. Cause they're already probably, re- um, getting adequate amounts of creatine, but really what creatine is most like known for when it comes to like sports and like performance is that it can help in like enhancing certain types of performances, such as repeated short bursts of like high intensity exercise and also recovery. So it's like you know, when you're weightlifting or doing like nine reps with like, I don't know, 95 pound dumbbells, that ninth and 10th rep may seem impossible. But then it's like, if you were to take a creatine supplement, you know, those last few reps might end up being like a little bit easier. You might be able to actually finish and complete the full rep or set. And again, mostly creatine is taken by and has been tested on professional male athletes. And there have been studies done on a woman that like women may not see as much strength or muscle gain compared to men. And if you're someone who's considering or wanting to take creatine, the most effective
0: we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
2: And like most studied form is creatine mon- monohydrate. And there is widespread conses- consensus among like sport medicine experts in the scientific community that a creatine supplement can benefit athletes for activities that again are involving these short bursts of high intensity effort with like little recovery time. So like the sprinting and the weightlifting, but the effects of creatine will reduce over time as the length of time spent exercising increases. So I think really like for the average Joe, the average CMOS really, who's like doing Pilates, you probably don't need a creatine supplement. Like you're not training like super like with like high intensity, like movements. You're probably not like training to like, you know, compete and stuff. So you probably don't need to waste or spend your money on the creatine. Use that money and spend it on protein powder. But also like, I don't know if you are someone who is an athlete, it could be beneficial, but I don't think it's like super necessary for like your sports supplement routine. If you have one.
1: Yeah. Before guys, before you guys like posted about creatine, I'd heard it before. I think since like my, you know, connotation of it is like the gym tip people. And it just was like an overwhelming supplement. And like Emma was saying, if you're not taking it in a very regulated, not regulated, but regular way, you're not going to notice if anything is changing in your body. So I think, I mean, that's true with any supplement, right? Like if you're going to take your multivitamin one day out of a week, like you might as well throw your money in the garbage Um, and also I didn't really Google how expensive creatine, like what the range are. So that's definitely like, I don't think it's necessary at all. Just like probably most of our CMOS girlies are younger girls that are starting to spend their money on supplements. So I would say, don't do this one. Um, then it gets into protein powder. And like Emma was saying, this is kind of the only, I feel like thing that I think about in relation to fitness really, because it makes the most sense like we said in the intro, Emma and I both used to be vegan. And I did feel like I was struggling to hit certain protein thresholds. And I didn't go into the whole research about how much protein you should consume in a day. Cause like you can fucking Google that and find a huge range of numbers. And that's kind of something I think you need to realize with your own fitness goals. Now, when I was vegan, I did feel like I wasn't able to get to like, whatever the the average will say for protein for my body was. So that's why I started looking into protein powders. And I think my connotation with protein powders is like a lot of them taste like shit. Uh, it's really hard to find one that blends well, doesn't taste like it has weird additives and fillers or a lot of weird sugars. I know some people, oh my God, I remember when we were at um, Health Nuts there's a really vintage-looking, like oh my god, brand. like true Gary, Gary Atrick, like literally looks like it's like straight from the 80s. Yeah, a lot of you guys have definitely seen photos of this. If you want us, I can post it in Geneva after if you guys listen to the pod and someone like posts this in Geneva, but it's like the spiritine and it's like mm-hmm. little sacks and it has like photos of old people on it, and it just like looks like the most like vintage, like ugly fucking protein, and it's cancer. like triple like tropical. Paradise, Paradise. Yeah. yeah, and I know a lot of people like, especially like the fitness TikTokers, are obsessed with having like really quirky flavors of protein, like salted caramel, like banana chocolate, coffee. Hey, just, just
2: give me vanilla and I'm good.
1: <laughs> yeah, I definitely like just error on the vanilla because I'm like I don't want this to like ruin my fucking life. But anyways, protein powder. So I think it's gonna be difficult uh, for us to recommend one too because it is not uh, internationally. I guess there are a few that you could get everywhere. Um, but protein powder is like, you know, you could use it because it helps to build and maintain muscle. So if you're focused on certain fitness goals, it could aid in that growth and that strength progress. It also optimizes recovery. And for me, like when I was vegan, it's a lot easier than eating a can of beans. Um, I think in the mind, body, green podcast, they used to mention a lot of the times, so or maybe it was Mark Hyman. I don't know. Um, you know, if you ate like three servings of beans versus like one scoop of protein powder to get. Like let's say twenty five grams of protein, like that's just super different. And I know you can be on that chickpea cookie dough wave to like get your protein in, but also you could just do a scoop of protein powder. And oftentimes it has a fuller nutrition profile. And then protein powders sometimes have fillers like. Maybe it'll have a probiotic strand in your protein powder so you could get other health benefits too. There also could be harmful fillers as well, which we'll get into in a little bit. And protein powder too can be easier to digest than beans and legumes, which can make you gassy. Um, and then keep in mind too, that if you are looking at a protein powder, you don't need to get something that is crazy, crazy high in one scoop. Your body can only use about 30 grams of protein at a time. So it's smart to break up your overall protein consumption throughout the day through different meals or snacks, or however you want to segment your food throughout the day. Like, don't feel like, Oh, I need to eat protein, like two scoops and have an egg and have salmon, like in one sitting, like your body's just going to pee it out. Um, which gets into the next point of like vegan versus non-vegan protein. So most times people say that, you know, whey protein is the best available protein powder, whatever, but vegans, you know, a lot of people have issues with digesting dairy. And so you might stray away from whey, but whey may be faster acting than vegan sources, which is why it's so accredited when you Google like best protein powder available. Um, but I think a lot of people that are not vegan shit on the vegan protein, because they say like plant-based proteins, like aren't a complete protein profile. Like I've heard that so many fucking times on the internet, but plant-based proteins, they do have amino acids that are going to like fill up your protein, um, amounts throughout the day, but it's just not going to be in the same high quantities. And they've tested people that are weightlifters to take whey versus pea protein. And the weightlifters got very similar results in the trials of like between whey and protein. So don't shit on the vegans, even though I'm not vegan, Anymore. Um, you can get what you need from like a, a good pea protein, if that makes sense. Yeah.
2: I and it's so funny actually, like growing up, so I was a competitive swimmer and I feel like only recently I really started caring or like focusing on like protein and protein powders. I feel like growing up and like being a swimmer, there's so much emphasis on like carbs and yeah. like know your carbs as opposed to protein. But anyway, with like whey protein, again, that's like kind of like the most commonly known protein form. And it's primarily, it's the primary protein found in dairy. And it contains all the essential amino acids, which again, like Kate said, is like why it's like highly accredited, but it can cause digestive issues. If you are allergic or very sensitive to milk slash whey, it also can cause, um, some acne breakouts. Um, I have not tried whey protein, so I don't really know I don't have any brand recommendations for you or anything I have just kind of stuck on the pea protein train yeah but I would love to know y'all's y'all's recommendations I would maybe experiment but I went to, it's really if it's gonna like yeah depend on if you are plant-based or like non-dairy or not
1: yeah I went to Elm Drug and Wellness in the West Village and talked to the health store owner about like hey protein powder give me the lowdown and he said if I were to try to get whey protein I kind of gave him the circumstances of like I was vegan for four years could I digest it I don't eat meat regularly and he said you could but you'd probably want to take a digestive enzyme with it so if you're a CMOS moss girly that's like super into whey protein I would do some research about like digestive system and thinking about like what you already are eating and how that could uh, contribute to it. Um, the next part of protein powders is that the whole additive thing. Um, I, my perspective on additives and fillers sometimes is that some people come at it from the perspective of like the kind of the goop angle where it's like, there are toxins in everything. It's going to fucking kill you. And I'm like, yeah, babe, your green beans that you're getting from like a grocery store probably have pesticides on them too. I don't know why we're so holier than thou about some things, but there are, have been a lot of studies about heavy metals found in protein powders. And so this organization called the Clean Label Project, which if you're looking for like a group to look for different food labeling and safety standards for food, they did a report and they found that 40% of these of over 100 protein powder products they tested had elevated levels of heavy metals So that's just to say that not all protein powders are treated equally, which I hope people will guess about like any food product, that some products are going to be just like the lowest of low to have the cheapest margins. They're going to throw in additives and fillers. And then there's going to be products you look at and you're like, why is this so expensive? And probably because it's super clean. It has third-party testing. So that's just to say like you could find heavy, heavy metals in protein powders, but you know, they have been around for, I think since the 1950s when I was looking into most protein powder research and so it's not some outlandish shit where you're going to die if you take protein powder which i feel like most people agree with totally
2: and then that kind of gets into collagen we got a few questions about like collagen like vegan versus non-vegan um so collagen it's like mostly known to like help increase muscle mass and prevent bone loss and it also has like high bioavailability and like a really like a full amino acid profile so it can help with like repairing muscle and this is like for like true, like collagen straight from the animals. Um, whereas like with vegan collagen, it's typically just like a collection of vegan ingredients to help boost the body's own production. I know there's like some plant-based collagens that are made with like tocos and like tremella. I feel Mm -hmm. like the vegan plant-based like collagens are kind of more focused on like helping with like the skin elasticity and like glowy skin as opposed to like focusing on like the muscle relation to collagen and the benefits that offers for that and there's really little information on vegan collagen and like its ability to help increase muscle mass Mm -hmm. um and so if you're someone who is wanting to take collagen to help with like that muscle mass you're probably gonna want to consider just taking like the true form as opposed to like the vegan form Mm -hmm. um so yeah that's that on on the collagen
1: yeah. And I post or I was looking into a little about bone broth. Cause that's like a little bit more digestible. I drink it here and there. And I do find it like, you know, keeps me satiated. If I don't really feel like it's going to be a cure-all for like recovery or anything like that. Um, next section of sports sups is caffeine which I feel like most people are probably aware of, but I also didn't realize like how much research there was on caffeine and like different strains of caffeine and like timing of caffeine as well. Basically caffeine overall, it's going to help with endurance and high intensity things. And it helps maximize your performance. If you take it before a workout, which I think is fairly obvious people know the effects of like caffeine as a stimulant. Um, The thing is though that it reaches peak concentrations in your blood within 45 minutes of consumption has a half-life about four or five hours and so I think for me I often think about caffeine like I need to stop drinking coffee like right before bed but if you want to be serious about how you're using caffeine to supplement your workouts this is something to consider so you should take caffeine about 15 to 45 minutes before working out that's what like the NIH at least said and that kind of gets into the next thing which is electrolytes Um, I think before we get into lecture we
2: can kind of talk about like Celsius versus coffee because I feel like there's so much discourse on like, oh my God, yeah.
1: And I have never had Celsius. I know okay. you finally bought like the Coca Cola flavor the other day. I did. And it tasted like battery acid. I'm like, what the fuck? Once again, I think it's the thing where like, oh, Emma Chamberlain drinks Celsius. I'm going to go drink Celsius. Like, why? I just don't love when people are so fucking e- easily swindled on the internet and influenced by anything. But that's like, no, I, I feel like it's like a really
2: trendy beverage. Like, there's some like random YouTube girlies that I'll like watch here and there when I'm like bored as hell. And it's like, I'm drinking my Celsius before I do like my 12 to. 30, whatever the treadmill workout thing is. I'm like, babes, I don't think you need to drink Celsius for that. I know. But okay, Celsius is basically just like a glorified caffeinated beverage. It has 200 milligrams of caffeine, which is like twice the amount compared to a cup of black coffee, which is 96 milligrams per cup. And so, if you're like super sensitive to caffeine, you may experience the negative unwanted symptoms, such as like jitteriness, like just true anxiety. And Celsius does contain like essential vitamins and no sugar or aspartame, which I know a lot of people like to avoid because, you know, quote unquote, is going to give you cancer. Um, but yeah, Celsius is not a miracle drink. Don't think that like, if you chug this like beverage, you're going to like be some like phenomenal athlete. Like again, like it's all like everything works together. You have to like actually put in the work to train, like eat good and, you know, get adequate rest and recover. Um, so yeah, don't feel like you need to have Celsius. You can just drink your matcha even in your coffee. And I feel like, like, again, like, most of us, we're just, like, average people who just, like, work out because we like to stay active. We're not actually, like, training for the fucking, like, Olympics or, like, for a marathon. So, like, really just, like, Kathy's just going to, like, for most of us, I think it's just, like, to give us, like, a boost of energy to, like, get out of bed. Yeah. Um, But then, yeah, we can get into electrolytes because electrolytes is another big, big thing when it comes to the sports subs. Um, so like with any like prolonged exercise, your body is going to experience electrolyte and water loss from sweating and dehydration can easily impair exercise performance and can also lead to like muscle cramping and headaches and dizziness. And the optimum fluid for rehydration during exercise is really going to vary due to like the intensity or duration of the workout. But there have been studies showing that like, there's really no advantage of fluid intake for exercise that is less than 30 minutes. Um, and there's going to be different types of electrolytes also. So this includes like sodium, magnesium, calcium, and potassium. And you really don't need to drink like a sports drink to attain electrolytes. Like I feel like Gatorade was like shoved down my throat as a yeah. child. Like you drink your Gatorade or like you need to like eat
1: these like Gatorade, like chewy the edibles. Shoes. Or those, those granola bars that were like bricks and they had like 50 <laughs> grams of protein. I was like, yeah. what? Like, like, I remember, like, I
2: remember, like, going to, like, swim, um, tournaments or swim competitions on tournaments, and my mom would, like, send me away with, like, the Gatorade gummies. I'm, like, these are cool, I guess, but, like, what the fuck is this? Definitely did not help me, like, improve my times at all, but you can obtain, again, like, any of these forms of electrolytes through food. This includes bone broth, pumpkin seeds, seaweed, avocados, coconut water, and bananas, And for most of us, again, regular water is going to be fine for post-workout, but it's for those who are doing like high intensity exercise for over an hour where you should incorporate electrolytes because you're definitely going to be experiencing way more like electrolyte loss compared to like someone who's just like doing a 20 minute Pilates video like me.
1: Yeah. I I also agree it. I don't know if it's a highly American trend that like Gatorade was shoved down. I'm sure it is. Like there's probably a lot of food, or not food, sorry, like money pumped into like getting intense amounts of advertising about it kind of like how we talked about the got milk campaign like Gatorade was like oh you're gonna die oh my god actually
2: talking about got milk before we recorded this I was on Twitter like scrolling and there was something it was a got milk ad I think it's like new and it's like the original sports drink
1: weird I <laughs> also to another fitness thing like this was happening I feel like when I was in high school that they were like if you drink a glass of chocolate milk after you work out like that's the best recovery thing too yeah
2: my swim coaches were always like chocolate milk's the best thing I think it's because it has like sugar
1: and like protein that has like a good like, combination of carbs protein fat I guess but I'm like damn what the like this stuff had such a hold on us for no good reason which is strange um, yeah, like I'm always saying electrolytes. I mean, I've started to take those noon tablets. They're kind of pricey, which like sucks. But I just think for me, it's like really hard to drink water throughout the day regularly. That. Yeah, so that's been one thing. And I think also too, like, it's really hard when you I feel like I'm never talk about this off pod. But being really rigid with food and diet um, and like health and wellness, like I would not touch stuff that had stevia for a while. I wouldn't touch stuff that had like any sort of sugars or stuff like that. And now I'm like, no, I'm going to drink stuff that has like electrolytes. It has stevia, whatever. Like, oh, I'm going to just go eat juicy fruit and it has sugar on it. I don't care. Like, that's just something I've had to, I think, like, you know, put down the mental like hurdle with that. Um, and so I've been drinking electrolytes kind of here and there just to like drink water, honestly. No,
2: I've been doing that as well. Cause I'm like, I drinking water is a chore for me. At yeah. Times.
1: And then the next thing is like pre-workout. So I've taken it before and I honestly was kind of a bad consumer with like actually looking into the ingredients, which I think is really hard. I'm going to get into more about like how you should shop for sport supplements. Um, but the importance of the reason why pre-workout has become a trend is that it's beca- important to be to increase your energy before a workout, obviously. So you're delaying the fatigue of your workout. Like Emma was saying, so you're not winded on your workouts. You're able to get through, like you're not feeling like shit because you weren't at peak performance, but it's oftentimes used in relation to weightlifting to hit your max reps. It's not just like a leisurely like jog or something like that. If you're doing more performance-based things to look for results and it may be more beneficial. This is like the bad answer that no one's going to want to fucking hear. But oftentimes- you might need to look at your overall diet. You can't supplement for a bad routine. Like if you're not sleeping, if you have a poor diet and like regimen for everything else, pre-workout's not going to change that. Sorry. Like I've seen a lot of weird TikToks about how like, oh yeah, like went out to the club and I had Red Bull and then I woke up the next morning and had pre-workout and then I worked out and I was like, you could also just fucking go to bed and like take a day off. Like I don't Adding so much to your routine is going to kill you at one point, especially with caffeine and like unregulated stuff. And so really, if you're going to take pre-workout, I would say you got to be consistent with it. One, look at the timing of your caffeine intake. Like I was saying before that mark between like 15 to 45 minutes to make sure you're actually utilizing your caffeine. And then looking at the protein and carbs that you've consumed before and after a workout, like it's not just going to be pre-workout and you don't focus on what food you're eating as well it's all a huge system and then with dry scooping pre-workout we talked about this in the tiktok thing like there was a 20 year old in college that was rushed to the hospital for having a heart attack for dry scooping pre-workout which is like i mean like so crazy that people are just doing whatever on the internet um blows my mind the dumb shit you see on the internet every day so if you're listening you're a Cmos girly don't dry scoop your pre-workout uh, put it with water and probably just don't do that. (laughs) Um, the next section is talking about like, how do you shop for sports supplements? So myself included, like, it's really easy to feel like you got some sexy out on Instagram for some protein powder or some sports supplement, or you saw your favorite fitness talk influencer, like posting about something, but there are going to be, I would say sports supplements are actually a lot easier to navigate than general supplements because one athletes have to get drug tested. And so when you're thinking about super high performance athletes, they can't have steroids in, in their body and they can't have like crazy supplements, um, because the FDA has banned certain things based on like drug testing for athletes. And so pre-workout supplements, some things to avoid, there's going to be a lot of these like really long names that I'm sure if you're taking notes, you could write these down. Uh, but beta alanine, glutamine, l serine, and l argine. those are going to, arginine, Those are ones by the FDA that has banned FDA has also banned ones that are like more serious, like DMAA or DMBA, because it's led to strokes and cardiovascular dysfunction in young athletes. So like I was saying before, I would say sports supplements, you're not going to find crazy ingredients in most things just because the, you know, athletes have been tested for these things. Another thing, like I was saying, looking out for artificial colors, sweeteners, antibiotics, and prescription drugs are sometimes tossed in there. There's been some studies about like pharmaceutical companies that have like laced stuff. Um, I won't get too much into that literature, but yeah, like the whole steroids and paraben thing, once again, is it does happen. Um, Some labeling things you can look out for is that the USA Organic that will probably bypass some fillers and like shitty things being tossed into your sports supplement. So maybe looking for organic sports supplements could be a good one. And then the NSF has this little logo called certified for sport. That is a certification that would be helpful as well. Um, So yeah, I would just say, you know, like with any supplement, if you're gonna spend your disposable income on it, you should be doing the bare minimum to research what the fuck's in it. Um yeah, I think that's most of it about like the basics. So next we're going to get into like the lifestyle stuff. Oh yeah. 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 Let's do it. All right. So one of the biggest things that I think is critical to think about with training is the difference between male and female presenting hormones, so based on what your biological makeup is. Nutrition research has a huge problem is that fit women are severely underrepresented and you can guess why. That Historically speaking, it's only been tested on male bodies and male athletes. And so when you go and like shop for a supplement, for example, you don't know if the effects are going to be the same on you as a female. And there's a lot of work with like diversity and inclusion stuff to get more women in these trials to make sure that supplements are like actually getting the proper or like demonstrating the proper health benefits. So when a woman takes it, it's going to be the same for a man. And then that gets into like a lot that I think we've already talked about with our other episode about like fitness culture, but calories are going to be very different for men and women, especially based on your activity levels. And specifically with fitness culture too, um, if a woman's super lean, let's say like shredded, like 18% body fat percentage, the male equivalent of that's going to be like 9% body fat. And so when you are, you know, going into those crazy calculators online, which I don't think it's a good rabbit hole to, to go down, like what's a good BMI, like how to get lean, how to get shredded. It's going to be so different for men and women. And I hope that people take that into consideration when you are thinking about your training schedule to not just listen to what a fucking dude says on the internet, Um, which gets into the next thing of disordered eating. And more than 30% of female athletes have reported disordered eating habits based on body image pressures. Now, when you think of that number, 30%, one third of athletes, and this is across high school, college, professional, every level that they've been able to test at. But I read that number and I said, wow, let's think about how many women don't report. I never reported to a coach. I never told them that I had issues with it. I've guessed on all the volleyball teams they've been across, I'm going to guess 80% of us have had some sort of body image issue and some disordered eating habits. Whether or not it is like clinically diagnosed as anorexia or bulimia or something, but there are very disordered ways of eating, I think involved in most athletic communities that I have been involved in or things that are normalized easy over conversation or like, rules with food and shit like that. And how much and how little you should eat, Um, which is just sad because most of this goes undiagnosed. And so a huge issue with women that I feel like Emma and I both take very seriously is that if you're a woman and you're training and you're training and you're not fueling with adequate carbs and proteins causes the body to enter a catabolic state that your body gets the signal that I don't have enough energy. It's going to seek out glucose or protein and other nutrients From your muscles, basically. So you think I'm doing all this training, I'm weightlifting, I'm going to the gym, I'm doing my whole thing. But if you're not getting enough calories in, your body's going to start breaking down your muscles. And that's going to also put you at a higher risk for injury. So when I went through eating disorder stuff and I first got my like tests, they were like, You're at a risk of osteopenia. Have you ever lifted a weight before? And I was like, Babes, I've been lifting weights. What the fuck do you mean? It's because my body was breaking down my muscles as a form of fuel. And so it looked through the testing that I didn't have any muscles. And it's really serious. Like if you are constantly under eating and you don't have an adequate nutrition intake, it can delay your recovery. You're at a higher risk for stress fractures, leads to hormonal imbalances. And this is stuff that's going to impact you for your life. The next topic, I think we talked about this in the other thing, but I just wanted to bring it up because we do have a lot of new listeners. If you feel like you're in this camp where you feel like you have an inadequate energy intake, your menstrual function, you're not getting regular periods and you have a lot of um, bone health issues, whether or not you've gotten blood work on it, or you feel like you're just prone to, you know, having stress fractures often, you might have something called the female athlete tried, which is the causal relationship between those three things. Basically, if your body is not eating enough, it tries to preserve your muscle. And it's going to alter the hormones to save energy. It is this starvation mode that you often hear about in eating disorder recovery stuff. And part of the process is going to be pulling the calcium actually out of your bones. And that's why it's irreversible. And it's really, really critical when you are in adolescence to do so. For example, just like a fun fact about me. Every time I go home to visit my parents, since I've been, I would say probably 22 and had a, not 22, oh my gosh, sorry. I'm like, I'm 22 now. (laughs) And we've been 22 for years, as we've said before. Since I've gone home and like had a period probably consistently for like two years, I would say every time I go home, which is like four times a year, my parents are like, you look like you're taller again, you look like you're growing, you look like you're taller. A lot of people that have had eating disorders in adolescence and typically female athletes that are amenorrheic or have amenorrhea in their teens start to go through puberty in their adult years. And so like for a while I was like, oh my God, I'm starting to get like breast pain. Like I'm growing more. I've grown probably an inch and a half since graduating college, just due to the fact that now my body is like, oh, we actually have enough nutrients and stuff. And It's just really critical. I think for a lot of female athletes to take seriously the point of underfueling. you might think, you know, aesthetically I'm going to be ripped and shredded. No, you're going to get stress fractures and you're going to have a lot of issues that lead to osteoporosis that are irreversible. Um, I would say another thing with training as a female versus a male hormone wise, is that a lot of female athletes need to think about things like iron, zinc, calcium, the B vitamin family and the vitamin D family. Just when you're looking at nutrient absorption, there is a difference between men and women. And then training with your cycle. We did a whole podcast episode about that if you want to go and listen to it. But women have uh, both circadian and infradian rhythms, which is going to make it different. So when you're training in your, when you have your period and then your luteal phase, right before you get your next period, your body's energy requirements and caloric requirements are going to be different. So if you want to hear more about that, we did another episode on that. The last section about the difference between I would say like female and male stuff is that there's a pink tax. And so I heard about this when I first, you know, heard about like female razors or female razors, like women's razors products. Um, It's called a pink tax for a reason that things like female protein powders, pre-workout are going to be priced at a lot more expensive than the male product equivalent to that. So when you go into a supplement section and sometimes you look at like women's skinny tea or like a man's shredded tea. The female, uh, the female version of that is going to be possibly up to about 50% more for fitness products. So if you're, if you see different products, I would just take consideration of that, um, about gender-based pricing. Um, yeah, that's about that for difference, which fucking sucks. Yes. And I think,
2: yeah, just to kind of piggyback on everything that Kate said in that, in that section. Yeah. I think like, really making sure that you're getting like adequate fuel fuel is like so important. I know when I was like swimming and I was experiencing, you know, my eating disorder, I just like was so weak and so frail. And that's when I was like plateauing, just like not performing and becoming like slower. And I know it can be really scary to consider like eating more, but like, if you do feel like you're experiencing a plateau and you're like, why am I not like performing better? Like, why are my times getting better? It's like, I'm not saying that, like, it might be that you're just like have been underfueling and your body's just like hit this plateau because your metabolism is just slowed down. Um, and I know it can be like really scary to eat more, but it's likely for the best, um, to get into that, we are going to get into like meal timing, like eating like before or after a meal. This is again, like something that I think so many people are like interested in, but like, don't really know. And there's so much like varying, um, opinions on it. So eating before a workout, fasted workouts can increase fat burn, but they may not leave enough energy for rigorous training. Um, and the benefits such reason for eating before a workout is to give strength and energy to to perform again, this more rigorous training. And the goal of a pre-workout meal is to replenish your glycogen stores, AKA carbs, because glucose is like your body's main form of fuel and the way our body processes and stores glucose is from our liver and muscles. And so it's actually extremely important for morning. And if you're doing a morning workout, Um, to actually get some sort of pre-workout meal in because our livers, glycogen levels are going to be depleted just from fueling the nervous system during sleep. And glycogen again, is just going to be very important for like high intensity, short training. And it might be one of those things in the morning that you may not feel hunger. And it's not like you have to go out and like eat like your full breakfast. It can just be like a simple, like, you know, pre-workout snack to help restore those levels to get, you know, you give you adequate energy for your workout. And timing for like eating before should be about two to four hours before the activity. And the meal should be again, in some form of like carbs, because the carbs are going to provide immediate use for fuel, minor protein. Um, but protein does take longer to digest. So it is like, and it's not your body's immediate form of fuel. So that's why you should emphasize more on carbs as opposed to protein. And again, this is all going to be like very like individual, like not one size fits all approach. Like some people might actually do better if they like, consume more protein as opposed to carbs. And like the type of meal that you're going to be eating is just going to, again, differ. Um, And then that gets into uh, eating after workout, which I think is like what people focus more on as opposed to eating before. Um, So what happens after a workout? Basically, once you're done training, your body depletes glycogen and protein in the muscles can be broken down slash like damaged. And so during this time after working out, your body's trying to replenish your glycogen stores. And regrow the muscle proteins after workout. So that's why it's like extremely important to eat after working out. So A, you can restore these glycogen stores, increase muscle growth, decrease muscle protein breakdown, and just enhance your overall recovery. And for post-workout nutrient needs, it's going to be more focused on like proteins. Again, you want to repair your muscle and carbs for like recovery just to give you adequate fuel so you don't feel like sluggish. And like the timing usually 30 to 45 minutes is going to be the sweet spot because your body's going to have greater ability to rebuild glycogen and protein right after exercise due to reasons such as increased blood flow and insulin sensitivity. However, there have been studies that like the window can be extended into like a few hours. And it's like one of those things where if you forget to eat after a workout, you're not going to die. Like, I think as long as you'd like know that like you like if you have some sort of meal, at least like within like a couple hours afterwards, you're going to be fine. But again, it's like one of those things, depending on how serious you are about your training, that it's like, you know, if you don't properly fuel yourself before or after, you're not going to see the results that you want. Um, and I feel like I always kind of get like stressed or overthink, like, what am I supposed to eat? Like after I work out, like, you know, like I like have to eat within like 30, to five minutes. And I feel like those was like always like talked about when I was a swimmer and it was like well frick like I have to like eat in, like 30 minutes but it takes me like
1: 20 minutes to get home like how oh, am I supposed insane. to do that that was <laughs> always the thing with me too I was like the car ride do I need to eat a granola more I'd rather more right or like I think sometimes too um I will like reject doing a weird afternoon workout because I'm like well I don't want to eat at like 4 p.m like that's just like a weird fucking time And like your body is a lot smarter than once again, all these weird calorie rules and like fitness rules that didn't exist beforehand. Like if you're getting in enough calories in the day and you're just a general person moving your body, you're probably good. Um, the the term that refers to like nutrient timing is like the anabolic window. And like Emma was saying before, carbs are going to be something that are mostly for like endurance athletes. Um, and the protein intake is only really going to be like focusing on your recovery time. Your body can't really break down protein during a workout. So, like we were saying before, those Gatorade bars with so much fucking protein, like eating them between, let's say, like two sports games your body's not going to be able to like utilize that anyways. And so I think once again, like making it as simple as possible that like, I just knowing what foo is one, I think too, if you're like a high performance athlete, let's say you're a sports athlete for me, I'm like, okay, I'm not eating a can of chickpeas. I will literally like have diarrhea between a volleyball game. So whatever like works for you, if it is a granola bar, if it is a smoothie and some other s- side snack thing, like you know, individually what you need. And I think that's something you're going to learn with time. Um, The next one, which is like a tricky thing is fasted cardio. I think I've just heard this all so much because intermittent fasting is just like fucking everywhere. in like all these diet podcasts or not diet health and wellness podcasts will say um, a lot of people are like fasted cardio because training with fuel is going to cut into a fat burning state. I think for a while, like I was super like, Oh, my run is a waste unless it's fasted because I'm not breaking down fat. And then I'm like, Kate, you literally don't need to lose fat. Like you're a woman that needs to probably gain more fat to have a more consistent period. And that's just something you have to be honest with yourself. Like once again, body standards, like, do I love how I look all the time? No. Do I like see little parts of my body and wish that I could spot treat and take off less fat? No, but, or yes, I do mentally, but I know that that's not something physically I want to put my body through. Right. Um, so with fasted cardio, if you overdo it, just like anything, like if you are not eating after workout you're just dry scooping pre-workout and you're drinking 12 Celsius, your body knows like your body knows what the fuck it's doing. You can put your body under a lot of stress if you are doing chronic fasted cardio, because it's going to hold on to fat. It's going to say, what are you doing to me? Why are there like, you know, thinking about hunter and gatherer times, like why are there 12 bears chasing after me and there's no fuel? You're gonna hold on to fat for a safety, especially as a woman when you're a child bearing bearing woman as well. Um, you also can have low blood sugar, you can feel this lightheadedness or um lethargic type feeling, basically, if you're doing a lot of fasted cardio. And it's not gonna increase your fat burning like overnight. I think there's a lot of this talk about like it's a quick fix, like that 24 hour period, you do fast cardio, you're just going to be God. There's no clinical or like no trials at that level to um, prove that. And also to another thing that I've noticed, like attempting fasted cardio at certain points, you're going to have an extended or a huge, huge appetite after doing this greater extent of a fasted cardio rather than a fed state. And so if you're really serious about thinking about how much you're eating in a day, which like if you're, you know, thinking about calories and nutrients and stuff, if you just feel like you're starving for the rest of the day, that might mentally just be really challenging for you too. So go eat something before your workout. Don't feel like you have to do fasted cardio, or whatever. Um, and another thing too, like I think the Bulletproof coffee thing is a huge thing. Um, and people are like, is coffee okay fasted? Is caffeine okay fasted? Like Caffeine is a known fat burner because it is this uh this source that is increasing your metabolic rate. And so most people say that coffee's okay fasted, but I'm not here to promote fasting and all that type of shit. So yeah, I think it's like definitely
2: figure out what works best for you. And again, there's like so much talk on like how you should or shouldn't train, when you should not shouldn't eat. But again, it's like so like individual and like everyone's bodies are different. We all like have different metabolisms and like we all do different forms of like workouts. So like Someone who's, like, running a lot more may need, like, some form of fuel, like, before you know, a workout uh, compared to, like, maybe someone who's just doing, like, yoga. Like, again, it's so, like, individual. And, again, like, I feel like we always promote and say, like, stay in your own lane and, like, really, like, focus on yourself as opposed to, like, what you're seeing on, fucking like, the TikTok algorithm and, like, your Instagram
1: page. Do what you got to do, honey. Yeah. The next thing we got a lot of questions, like, how do I know to measure my growth and progress? This is something that I still struggle with. I'm not registered in shits. We're not going to have answers for you, but I think logical things you could say, are you getting faster if you're a runner? For me, like if you've had consistent days in a row where I'm running and I'm like not hitting a right pace, okay, I should probably take a rest day and not do that and reevaluate like, am I fueling enough? Am I sleeping enough? That's I think the mental stuff that I've built in just playing sports my whole life. Another thing, if you're like a weightlifter, can you lift more weight? Can you do more reps? Are you following a regimen or did you miss seven days in a row? Um, I know when I was a college athlete, like you got a program and you had to go lift and write everything down. So that could be something that's helpful for you if you're not consistent with your workouts. Yeah.
2: And I think um, focusing on like performance results as opposed to physical results. Cause that can easily like cause you to spiral up spiral. If you're like, I'm doing all this stuff. Like I'm not seeing like you know, certainly like, physical results, you like have vision in your like brain. And I think like for me, I like focus more on like performance stuff. And I feel like a lot better mentally. And I'm like more proud of myself. Um, when I focus on that as opposed to like physical stuff.
1: Yeah. And then you get into body dysmorphia land, which why, why be there if you don't have to be there. Exactly. Uh, The next thing that's a little bit of research that um, I was looking at is like, we talk about gut health a lot. And so when I was thinking about sports supplements, that all these weird additives you hear about, how could that affect your gut health? There's new research that about, you know, there's always new research about the gut microbiome, but the gut microbiome also is aiding into help create proteins for your health. And so there's a lot of research going into how this impacts high performance athletes, because if your gut is weak, there's going to be a lot of bad substance that enter your blood that could increase inflammation could lower your immunity. And it could also just hurt your overall performance. And so there was a lot of, um, push for athletes to really be serious about taking a probiotic or maybe taking a greens putter in the morning with a probiotic, because you think about it, right? Like Olympic athletes, are not going to be able to eat like a jar of kimchi. I mean, maybe, but you're not going to be able to digest it. So that's why supplementation was being studied at this, this study I was looking at for athletes. Um, the other thing is that protein supplements are going to improve your performance and muscle mass, obviously, but we don't know the effects on other organs. So like we don't know how that's affecting your gut health, basically, if you're taking stuff with the additives, like I was saying. Um, there's new research being like published, published, published about that. I almost said plummeted. Um, and then the next thing too that I thought was super interesting is that when you work out, your muscles are going to produce a byproduct called lactic acid. So if you feel heavy in your legs ever, you feel like there's just like Oh, I can't get my legs up. And you hear a lot about like your fascia tissue and foam rolling. It's to pump out the lactic acid to get break through that. But there is a type of gut bacteria called Velenilla atipia. Basically, that's a, beautiful name. that's a beautiful name for a child. I was going to say that. That's a beautiful name for a girl. <laughs> Our Twitter brains. Um, basically, this strain of gut bacteria loves lactic acid. And so if you take a probiotic strain with this gut bacteria, it could possibly improve your exercise capacity, which I thought was interesting. It proves the body is a system. And so the NIH was showing that if you are doing um, also physical activity at a very low level, so it was looking at uh, fast, or not fasted, um, steady state cardio and low intensity movement, your body is actually going to increase the microbiotic diversity. It's going to improve the metabolic profile. And then it studied people that were doing very acute, high intensity exercise. And that had a very, um, a poor effect on the athlete's gut microbiome. So that's another thing to consider that you think it's so black and white, like I'm doing all this post, like this great exercise. I'm going to be so in shape where like, you could be inflaming your body to a degree where your gut microbiome is actually hurting. Um, that's going to be something that I don't think any of the sea musculies can test, but it's just like an interesting factoid that I found that, yeah, there's like a lot of interactions between the gut exercise supplements but a lot of it is highly unknown so yeah crazy crazy that's kind, of, that's kind of the episode
2: yeah. um so like who actually needs sports supplements i think if you're like a crazy athlete or like training for a marathon or some shit you might want to consider like more like the creatine more like high level stuff but for the average the average sea girly protein powder just make sure you're eating a fuel and like foam rolling and stretching drinking yeah. your water doing the things you probably already know that you should do.
1: Right. It's, I think a lot of it is the stuff that's not the sexy stuff. Like Emma was saying, go to bed, take your magnesium. We didn't even mention magnesium. We should honestly have a fucking count every time we mention magnesium in a podcast God, episode. You really
2: should. And I think it's like also to remember that, like, I feel like, you know, with sports supplements, it's like people act like, you know, it's going to transform your life. And it's like, like Kate said, it's like all of a lifestyle. Like you have to also like consider like how you're sleeping and recovering and other stuff that it's like, going on buying a supplement ain't going to solve your issues.
1: Yeah, girlie. Really. So I would say focus on the things you're already doing and think if you could be doing them better. I think that's the best way I think about sports supplements. Like, okay, am I actually taking this at a proper time? Emma and I were texting, we need to make like magnesium watches to remind ourselves like certain times to take it before bed. And that's kind of the same, like, Did you actually eat within 15 minutes after your workout? Did you take your caffeine at the right time? So just be stringent about what you're already doing, I would say. Yeah. I'm going to go drink some of the new and electrolyte tablets, I think.
2: I had one of those earlier. I randomly bought the GT's um, vanilla matcha adaptogenic bottle beverage. Not too bad. I've had it before. Um, I bought dandelion tea from a little health store in the East Village. That I might sip on later.
1: Are you going to keep the name of that store?
2: I mean, you know what? We all got to have our own little secret sometimes.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that place is a fucking or at spot. least
2: if you're interested and you live in the New York area, you can go into Geneva and join the New York City group chat room. Truly. And I'll let you know what our, what place I'm talking about. Yeah, it's, truly. I ain't fucking- I, I, I Okay, I finished listening to that like hippie food, whatever book. And the place that I'm talking about right now, just like reminds me so much of like the book
1: oh i know they definitely got like a tofu press like in the basement of that fucking establishment
2: i was like, looking at their like random like vegan cheeses they like carry like brands that i have like never seen before like very local and i'm like you know what maybe i'll go and like buy and spend ten dollars on some random random cheese Loki, i want to walk there right now Loki, you should it was fun <laughs> god was the guy playing the guitar He
1: wasn't playing the guitar, but he was just sitting there with like the woman. I'm presuming they're married, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what their vibes are. I don't know. I've talked to them for 45 minutes in the peak part of the pandemic when I walked in. They wasn't wearing a they wasn't, they wasn't wearing a mask. And I was like they weren't
2: wearing masks there. They uh, were not. I also asked for like um multivitamin recommendation. She was like, take this one, it has a lot of herbs. I was like, okay, I spent $50 on it. Hopefully I didn't get scammed, but I'm like, you know what? I think I trust you. Yeah. Oh, did they have that Buddha chocolate there? Buddha chocolate Buddha chocolate I didn't really look at the chocolates they had a good selection of honey mamas I was almost like considering getting a random like dessert thing but I was like Emma you got cookie dough in your fridge you're good you're True. good I'm,
1: I'm getting my next shipment of that shot that shot. I have like I have just been like eating it like crazy we love we love because we're such jocks yeah we are me, all me right and 20 minute plotting videos anyway anyway thanks for listening to episode 40 title tbd we'll decide it after we get out of this zoomy zoom but you know you guys know what to do if you listen to the podcast and you enjoy chatting with emma and i join geneva and there's a trillion of us in there that all talk about fucking health and wellness leave us a review in apple like the memes you know what to do you guys got it. you guys know the drill all right. Thanks for listening to What the Fuck is C-Moss. Bye, besties.
2: Bye. Cocokind is a beauty brand that's all about topical skincare formulas powered
1: by research-backed ingredients, like their Moss Exfoliator. Perfect for all moss girlies. For example, it gently buffs away dead skin cells, smooth skin texture with nutrient-rich Irish moss powder, a super gentle exfoliant. Plus, in removing those dead skin cells, any products that go on after can better absorb into skin. Smart, right? One reviewer, Brea, said that it is the only exfoliator I have tried that leaves my skin feeling super smooth without also drying it out like crazy, all for only $17. You can find Kine online at Cocokine.com backslash
2: and you can also get 10% off your first online order with the code CMOSGURLIES. Kine is also available in stores at Target and Whole Foods.
1: You know Emma and I can't shut up about starting your day with the perfect oatmeal toppings. And you're probably thinking, what could be better than securing a bag of maca powder or matching with a boy who actually knows what adaptogens are? Um, hello,
2: a large and juicy medjool date. That's why we're so excited to tell you about today's sponsor, Julie's. Julie's is a pantry staple for all the wellness gods. Their hand-picked medjool dates from Coachella Valley, California, are certified USDA organic, naturally vegan, and free of all
1: allergens. There is no better way to snack on Jolie's than with your favorite nut butter or on a bowl of oats. And Jolie's even has a date syrup to drizzle on a stack of pancakes. So if you want to taste some Jolie's for yourself,
2: definitely use code CMOSGRILLIES for 15% off your first order. Now back to the show. Hey girlies, this wouldn't be a podcast called What the Fuck is CMOS without us having a CMOS sponsor. So it's time to learn what the fuck even is CMOS. Thanks to our newest sponsor, 26th in Love. CMOS contains 90% of the minerals that the body needs. Some even call it nature's multivitamin. Crazy, huh? Here's just a preview at some of its benefits. Are you struggling with gut health? CMOS, struggling with inflammation? CMOS, struggling with adrenal
1: fatigue? CMOS, struggling with constipation? Cmos. You can use the code Cmos, for ten percent off Cmos gel from Twenty Six and Love. Time to become a wellness god.
3: The headlines remind us daily the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing, but you know better, and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant, and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to mypatriotsupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over two thousand calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save two hundred dollars plus get free shipping on all their ready-hour three-month emergency food kits.